you are listening to the Kinetic Man Podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm David. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living a life defined by uncommon action that is full of purpose, adventure, and meaningful relationships. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours and together achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to leave the potential life behind and become kinetic men. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm excited about this uh, podcast. Um, I just finished reading this book, The Me I Want to Be by Jason Stonehouse, and um, there is a ton to it, a lot to talk, so I want to get right into it. Um, Jason, for our audience, welcome to the show, and uh, we appreciate you jumping on here and uh, if you could give us a little bit of background about uh, who you are and, and what you do. Sure. Yeah, it's great to be here as well. I'm really uh, looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, I grew up outside of New York City, and um, I have been a pastor. Um, but in the last like three or four years, I have found myself uh, being able to interact with like CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs. And so um, and that really came out of uh, my own story and my own journey dealing with anxiety and stress and overwhelm as a leader. And so um, it's just been really interesting to be able to pastor people, um, both in the marketplace and also in the church. And so um, and I've also been able to write some books and hopefully add value. One of my biggest things is I want to make an impact in people people's lives. And uh, one of the best ways to do that, at least beyond yourself, is getting some books written and getting some opportunities to get out there and share your thoughts and ideas and ways that might be helpful. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I love that. I want to jump right in. You know, you mentioned this, um, you know, this idea of, well, not even the idea, but the the state of of living an anxious life and being overwhelmed and all these different stressors. Currently, you know, Stu and I are, are uh, we, we love to read and and right now I'm reading a book, uh, I'm reading a couple of books, but one of the books I'm reading is called The Common Rule, and it's by uh, Justin Early. And one of the things that he, th- that I believe that he prompted him to write his book, also a faith-based book, is is this overwhelming uh, just anxiety and this, uh, um, you know, this this uh, repressive just feeling that 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 he had to come out of right, and he had to come out of it not only from a faith perspective, but he's a he's a professional lawyer and and like you, a professional and executive focused and leader. And I, I'm just curious, why do you think that this is so prevalent? I know your book touches on on this idea of giving ourselves time, just like the common rule gives us give ourselves capacity and time to really know ourselves, be silent, um, you know, have this opportunity to really. Uh, dive in. I'm curious on the relationship between giving yourself that capacity and also why you think that this is such a prevalent problem. I think the biggest thing comes down to expectations. I think uh, particularly as leaders, as men, uh, as fathers, as people who, you know, have lots of people looking to us for direction. I think there's a lot of expectations that we're trying to navigate. And most of us, rather than being honest, rather than being humble and saying, you know what, I don't have the capacity to give that the justice that it deserves, or, you know, that what you're just asking me to do is a five hour project. And I don't really have five hours, but instead of doing that, we fudge, we, we take all that anxiety on ourselves and we try to pull off something that is superhuman. And, uh, and so one of the biggest things and I'm actually writing a book right now called you are not a robot. And, um, and really the whole idea behind this idea of embracing our humanity embracing who we are as human beings, embracing our limits, that those are actually put there by God on purpose, um, that we are not meant to be. But I do think there is a pressure, particularly uh, among leaders, 
that you are able to do it all, that you're able to have this great family, this great marriage, this, you know, great business and all of that. And um, so I think that expectation, we put it on ourselves and then we try to impress people that we don't even know. (laughs) We try to look like we have it all together. So I think that's the biggest piece on that. And I think as far as your second question of the capacity piece, I think it's just embracing the fact that you are not, I'd say, I say to my clients all the time, you're not human plus. Uh, and I think there's this pressure to be like, I'm human, but I'm also able to do all these things. And I'm like, no, just embrace the fact that you're a human being. And that's going to be that teachability, that humility is going to be the opportunity to open up a lot of doors for you. Yeah, man, I just do real uh, quick. One thing yeah, that came to mind is, is especially as a man of faith, I find it fascinating that we have this model named Jesus and we want to be so much like him, but we don't try to be like him at all. Right. And when you look at him, I think most of us would say, wow, that he, that dude is a pretty solid leader. Like someone I would aspire to be as a leader, but then you look at his rhythm and it was not hurried. It was not like even facing the death of a best friend, right? He's, he's like, he's walking, he's walking, he's talking, he's doing leadership in a way that is so, uh, it is so different from our idea. And it challenged me every day to be like, okay, would, would Jesus be doing all these things? Well, no, it's clear. Just open the Bible and read. And so I, I find it very fascinating that you just, as you're talking, I was like, man, we have a great example. We have a great example of what leadership should look like. And, and yet we, we do the opposite almost. One of my, one of my favorite passages is in Mark chapter one, where, you know, Jesus, it says he was in the house. He's healing all these people, casting out demons. It says, it says the whole town showed up at this house and then Jesus slips away, you know, out the back door or whatever. He has this moment with the father where he's in prayer and this great, great line that Peter goes up to him and says, Hey, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. And Jesus reply is, let us go somewhere else. <laughs> and it's just like, what? Hey, wait, every, you, you're finally here. You're finally at a place where everybody is looking for you. Everybody wants to be near you. And Jesus is like, yeah, we're going to go somewhere else right now. And, uh, and there's a lot to unpack in that, but that's just that idea that you're talking about. He had a clear mission and direction, and it wasn't about impressing people. It wasn't about making people like him. It wasn't about, you know, filling everybody else's expectations of him. He had a clear mission of where he needed to be and where he needed to be about. No, it's so interesting. Um, I think, you know, the world from a worldly view, uh, glorifies busyness, Mm-hmm. Like they glorify just the the workaholic, you know, the the multiple jobs, the you know, uh hustle and grind and um but you know to to David's point like Jesus like wasn't ever busy, like never like told you to be busier in life, right? Yeah. Um and I think we all go through stages like that. I mean, I know I know I did for sure, you know, David and I've talked about it a lot is just trying to, you know, create more income, build wealth, uh, provide for the family, you know, do more work. And it, it tends to, um, uh, set aside the things that are most important in life. And a big thing for me this year, uh, is just this idea of margin. And, you know, you talk a lot about margin in, in, uh, your book, the me I want to be. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is that you talk about in there is creating boundaries, creating healthy boundaries and i found myself saying no a whole lot more just this year like and 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 it's been something that's really been freeing for me and really kind of simplifying my life 
And I'm curious, you know, as you are going through these, the, you know, executive coaching with, with your clients, um, how do they respond to that? You know, and, and, and how do they take that on and realistically make that a priority in their life? Um, and has, how has that impacted them? Well, I would say first thing is just really getting an understanding of, uh, I'm going to actually flip it on you. I know you've been saying more no's, but I also, one of the things I work on with my clients is reminding them that every yes that they say is a lot of no's. I, I joke, I joke around with my wife. I'm like, when I said yes to marry you, I was saying no to thousands of women. <laughs> like, like there was actually thousands of women who wanted to be with me. But anyway, uh, that's besides the point. But the idea is, is simply this. When you say yes to something, you are already saying no to a whole bunch of things. And so just to realize the power of your yes. Um, when you, when I am saying yes to something, realize what am all, what are all the things that I'm choosing now to say no to? And I think when we can get, when we understand the power of that simple yes, because you say, I, a lot of times I'll say yes to a once a month commitment. And when you say yes to four of those, you're doing something every week, you know? And so it's just the understanding the power of that. And I think once we understand that, and I think the other piece behind this too, would be the idea of, um, why am I saying the yes? And I think a lot of times we don't really think through how much of our own junk, how much of our own woundedness from our past is really fueling our yeses. We're saying yes because we want to be liked. We're saying yes because we don't want to disappoint. We're saying yes because we think we're responsible for this or that. And so um, I think just bringing back that power and that responsibility and say, you know what, I have to answer for every yes that I choose to make. And every no that obviously I choose to make as well. So I think that's really what I try to do with my clients is really help them understand the power of it and also understand what's fueling it. One of the things I've been saying lately is the work that I do is really helping people to lead and to live from the inside out. And I just don't think in our culture, we take enough time to look at that inner life and look at how we're being driven by the thoughts, by the emotion, by the woundedness of our past, by the insecurities inside of us and all of that. So I think once executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, once they get the understanding of, wow, my yes is not is not simple, number one, and number two it's often fueled by something. So I want it to be fueled by something healthy, like purpose, mission, wiring, who I am, all of those things, rather than something unhealthy, woundedness, insecurity, what I didn't get, those kinds of things. So I think when you bring those two pieces in, it's very easy to embrace it. And it's very easy to walk forward. It's not easy necessarily to share it with others. And I really talk about how, and this is also in the book, this idea of how we communicate our boundaries, how we communicate is so, so critical because for people who are living with no boundaries for a very long time, um, it's going to be really jolting for most of the people in your world when it's like, I know I've been doing this. I know I've been saying yes to this, but I need to say no. And here's why. And be compassionate about that rather than be a jerk about it, where it's like, oh, screw you. I'm doing whatever I want. You know, like that's not the attitude that we need to go into these things with. Yeah, you know, I um as you're talking through through the the intentionality of your yeses and nos, I also think there's this this kind of nefarious little thing that you know, and I don't I don't know what to call it. I, I wrote the unconscious yeses through actions, right? Like the yeah. I think it's important for us to take note of in this this device specifically. I think through, and I just had a conversation with you know, talked through, through with my some of my coaching clients as well, but also yesterday I was talking to a guy. 
about the the fact that we need to more consciously put ourselves in other people's shoes that we're interacting with. And an example being when our kids, we all recognize that when we have the, the phone in front of our face, we're not, you know, dedicating that time to our kids. And we all recognize, you know, we all acknowledge that our kids are like, Hey dad, like, you know, put your phone down. Right. But I don't think what we truly acknowledge is the, the true message being sent to those people that you're apparently, you know, physically with, but not necessarily emotionally or, or mentally present with. And, and the true message that you're sending them is that they are a no, they are a no in your life. And, and a lot of the, the folks that you're surrounding yourself with may not have the language or they may not be, especially men may not have the courage to say, Hey dude, the reason I'm calling you out on your phone use is because you're actually really hurting my feelings. Like my feelings are hurt. I am invalidated as your friend. We don't use that language. And I think if we did, it'd be more, um, it'd be received. Uh, it may not be received great, but it would at least send a message. And so as you're talking through that, I just think there's such an important thing to, if you, to put language to what we're doing and being like, Hey, Hey kid, I, I know son, daughter, I know you're hearing a no from me. You're seeing a no and you're feeling a no for me. I just want to acknowledge my choices are absolutely telling you that right now. You are a no in my life right now. The cell phone's a yes. This less important call or text or article I'm reading is a yes. You are a no. And I think if we're honest with our language, then we can then really begin to 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 have a catalyst to change. And 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 with that being said, and you mentioned it, I'd love to get into your book. You know, when you talk about uh, honesty and power of words and 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 catalyst for change. Talk to us a little bit about the me that I want to be and and what prompted you to write that book. It, it really, um, my book came out of this idea of two, probably for the past two years. Uh, two years ago, I went through a divorce and it was the most painful, earth shattering, blindsiding uh, kind of experience in my life. And um, it forced me to have to look at some things in myself that uh, I didn't really want to look at, you know, and I was at this point of saying, oh my gosh, like, I don't like this man that I've become. I don't like how much anxiety is driving my life. I don't like how much my image and how I'm seen by others, how, how powerful and important that is in my life. And so it really showed me, revealed to me, there's some things in my life that I want to change. Uh, and so then I really went down this road of saying, well, how does someone actually change, especially when they want to change? And what is keeping us from change? And I started realizing that so much, particularly in the church and in Christianity, is behavior modification. We think if I can just change my behavior, um, everything will be great. People will like me. But I found a lot of times that behavior modification just doesn't work. And it, and really, we get this message of try harder, try harder, try harder. And I'm like, I can't. I feel like a failure. But once I started understanding that change really happens, as as the Bible tells us, right? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your actions. No, <laughs> by the renewing of your mind. Like there's, this is an inner game. This isn't an external game. And so once I realized that, then I just, it set me down this path of saying, what would it look like to become this man that I've always wanted to be deep down, wanted to be, and then actually make that change happen. So the book in, in a sense is really this, it just walks you step-by-step step through how does, how do you actually change? what actually needs to happen in your life for you to see 
that reality, that new reality. And I think one other thing that really um, comes out in the book is I think so much of our changes are, I don't like this about me. I, I hate that I'm on my phone all the time. I hate that. And it's all negatives instead of, that's why I titled the book, The Me I Want to Be, because I want to shift our focus from you know, sin management. Oh, I, I hate this part of me. Oh, I keep doing this. I keep looking at porn. I keep doing that thing. You know, I keep uh, snapping at my kids. My anger goes from zero to 60. It's all the negatives. Instead of saying, what if we could get a beautiful vision of who God made us to be, of how we're wired, of what's already in tune with who we are, and then actually walk towards that rather than trying to spend all our energy trying to run away from who we're not, who we don't want to be. What if we could really get excited and passionate about who we wanted to be? And the book really just um, is very, very practical. It's just like step-by-step kind of like, how do I start to move in that direction? Yeah, man, it's, it's a great read. And and I definitely want to, uh, you know, highlight uh, some, some portions of it. Uh, Let's, let's talk about the process. Let's talk about just the overall process of change, um, and again, I want people to go read it. So, you know, don't give all the nitty gritty details, but can you just kind of go over like overview of like restore, remember, reflect, respond, like what, what is that process uh, of, of change? Well, I think change has got to start with the fact that I am, I own me, right? I, one of the things I say in the book is we are a hundred percent responsible for everything we think, everything we feel and everything we do. That means you don't make me mad. That means you don't make me late. You know, I am 100% responsible for my feelings, my thoughts, and my actions. And I think the biggest reason why we don't change is we think we are victims. We live as victims. It's everybody else. If I just had a better wife, if I just had a better job, if I just had more money, everything is external. Everything, if I just had these things. And so you've got to start by taking ownership of who you are. And once you realize that the person you want to be, you have the responsibility for that. It's not somebody else's job. Now you can begin to move down the road. So I, I, I've got to start there, Stu, because that's where people miss it is they start putting a process in place. They start walking down a road when they have the wrong paradigm going in that it's somebody else's uh, issue that I'm not what I want to be. So, but then I think beyond that is just really taking the time to, first of all, get quiet and rest. Um, And then the number one skill that I think is lacking in our culture today is reflection. We don't take time to think about why we are doing the things we're doing. We know we're doing these things. We know we don't like them, but what's driving them? Kind of like we talked about earlier about what is what is underneath that busyness? What is underneath that yes? What is underneath that no? And so that really happens in that process, uh, that stage of reflection is I start looking at who do I want to be and why am I doing the things that I'm doing and what's driving it? What thought pattern is beginning to drive that? And then once I am understanding that reflection piece and I'm understanding where where I'm at, then I can start to take some responses. I can start to move towards, well, I don't want to be this. Okay, well, what do I need to think differently? Um, what, how do I, and if I thought that way, what would I feel like? What would I do if I actually believed that I was calm and confident to use the title of another book that I wrote? Um, that's the whole idea is, is beginning to understand who you are and then being able to live that out as you go forward. So I think it's just, to be honest, the biggest 
part of the four-step process that I put in the book is really this reflection piece. If we could take time to pause and actually go a little deeper, think a little deeper about what's behind our actions, that's going to be the, the groundwork for the, the movement that you want to see. And Jason, I want to dig a little bit into that. So we are absolutely, I think, as human beings, especially as Western men uh, in particular, but just uh, in the West, just very generally speaking, we are absolutely horrible at this idea of stopping and reflecting. Well, the idea of Mm -hmm. stopping, the idea of rest, the idea of quiet uh, words you mentioned, and this idea of reflecting. Give me some practical ways, like how does Jason, no kidding, like walk a a knucklehead like Stu through the process of what it looks like to to genuinely reflect and give yourself that capacity? Because I think a lot of us realize like we're stressed out, we're anxious, we're like this, this is not the life I want to live. I don't love, I don't have adventure, I don't have anything awesome. I'm not the man or the person or the me that I want to be. But I don't think a lot of us recognize like, okay, here's how simple it is. This tool, this thing, do this, start here and just implement it um, and, 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 and go from there. Right. So if you could give us a couple yeah, of those, I'll give you two, I'll give you two really practical ideas. Um, one is, and I know this is maybe challenging for people who work at home, but, uh, one of the things I, I will say to my clients is, Hey, take the 10 minutes, 20 minutes, hour long drive that you have going home. And instead of listening to sports radio or talk radio or whatever, turn it off and just take the time to reflect on the day and kind of close down that chapter. Okay, I've had that interaction. I did that thing. Oh, why did I do that? And just kind of reprocess that. And then just let that go. Let that say, all right, this is what I've learned from, I just kind of capped up. So I'll usually take like just a 10 minute drive before I go home to just reflect and not put more information in. I'm like, I got plenty of data from the day that I just need to process through and then close that. Take me, you know, maybe there's one thing I learned. I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to do that differently tomorrow. Um, And then close that so that I can walk into my home ready to engage with a new set of data, a new, you know, with my kids, with my, you know, wife, you know, I'm, I'm now able to do that. The second um, practice, really practical idea is typically what I'll try to do on Sunday evenings is I'll set aside about a half hour of a Sunday night. And in that half hour, usually about the first 15 to 20 minutes, I spend reflecting on the week previous. So I think about the decisions I made. I think about the conversations, the interactions, both at work, at home, at church, wherever it is that I'm engaged. I just think about all those different things. Sometimes I'll write down some notes and so, okay, I need to make an apology. I need to make that situation right. I need to make a different decision there, whatever. I'll just kind of evaluate it. And then I'll take usually the last 10 to 15 minutes of that. And I'll think about the week ahead. And I'll say, what are my priorities this coming week? Um, what do What's going to really flow out of who I am? What do I need to make sure that happens? Maybe there's some tasks that need to happen. But maybe there's also like, you know what? Like you said before, I blew off my kid, you know, on the cell phone. I want to make that right this week. So I want to, you know, I'm going to set aside an hour and just kind of do whatever he wants, you know, whatever she wants, whatever. And so I'm able to then put a plan in place for the week ahead. And usually in about 30 minutes, I can do true reflection that sets my week up ahead for a much better than it was the week before. And if you keep doing that, I mean, at the end of a year, you'll be amazed at how far you were able to go just by taking that one step every week. Yeah, I love that. I I love the idea of also how easy, I mean, what you're really asking outside of the first tip, the second tip is 30 minutes a week, right? A week 
Right. Yep. And then, you know, it's, it's curious because I was talking to somebody about this yesterday and he said, man, we need to change the language. Uh, he's recently stopped eating red meat. He feels great, all this kind of stuff. And he said, people come up to me and say, man, you're that, what a sacrifice. And he's like, no, dude, I am gaining so much. I'm not bloated. I feel great at this, right. all these benefits. Right. And so people, even the language they use, man, I got to give up half an hour a week. No, right. no, you, you, you commit an hour a week and you can get back so much more. Cause you know, that half hour, man, like stuff, if you just give yourself that quiet stuff right. will come to mind and yep. you'll be like, oh, wow, I really need to like, that's, that's important. And, and you, you can take out some of the reactivity. I think we're so reactive. We're such reactive creatures that it doesn't allow us. We're always on a wheel because we're yep. just reacting to that wheel instead of stepping off and being like, okay, that's a wheel. Well, I want to do something with that wheel or I don't. And you make right. a choice. Right. So I, I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's just taking responsibility again for yourself. It's like, I'm not going to wait for somebody to give me this half hour because nobody else cares. Like you, they, they care, but they're not going to give you it. They're not going to say, Hey, you know, Stu, take, take 30 minutes and go, you know, they're not going to do that. So we have to take responsibility and say, the person I want to be is going to require me to focus in for 30 minutes. That's all I need. You know, mom, dad, you know, kids, brother, you know, whatever. Like I just need this 30 minutes and I'm making this choice and that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm blocking everything else and I'm going to focus on it. I love it, man. Yeah. One thing I've really tried to do this this just this year is is create more of a sabbath on on a sunday um you know i've gone from uh, like a full-blown like digital detox where i just don't touch anything you know electronically all day long and um that's a challenge i definitely don't succeed at that every every uh sunday but even just like again just kind of like not committing to anything on on a calendar on a schedule and just being at home and you know just reading more and hanging out and relaxing. And, um, just it's, it's been, it's been really life-giving uh, for me personally. I think it's been good for my family too, especially my kids. Like they just need that day to just like unwind and chill out and like not have anything on the calendar, you know, sports and kids events and play dates or whatever else we just like hang at home. It's, it's been really good for me. And I uh, think if you, if you are married, I would definitely recommend, you know, maybe even adding 15 minutes, either at the front end or the back end of that. And just say, Hey, can we sit down with our calendar? And can we look at this week ahead? Because how many times do we misunderstand, you know, and then even just to say to our spouse, like, Hey, what's the priority? Like, what are your priorities this week? Like, what are things that you really need? Like, like if you could have a wave of magic wand and say, uh, you know, Jason, if you could be present at these two things, like that would mean more to me than these other four things. Okay, great. Now I know that going into my reflection time and when I'm planning my own week to say, hey, this was really important to my wife. I want to make sure that I prioritize that and build things around that because I've already had that calendar meeting rather than doing what I think is the number one relationship killer, which is assumptions. We make assumptions of each other. Well, I thought this was important to you. And uh, you mean I did the wrong thing? You know, like we just assume yeah. so much about each other and it just gets us in. It hurts the other person for sure. Yeah, dude, for sure. Like that uh, we 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 started doing that, the family meeting. We have like a family meeting and we kind of just pull out the computers, look at the calendar, talk about who's picking up who, who's taking, you know, yeah. who, you know, what, what stuff we have a priority. I, I love that um, idea of just asking. Yeah. And I, I guess it would just go a little bit further than because a lot of people do what you're talking about. Like, I love that. I think it's great. Um, it's just let's bring the emotional piece to it. Like when, mm. as you look at this week and you say, 
you know, of all the things that you got going on, son, you know, you're playing baseball, you're doing that, you know, which is the thing that you're lo- most looking forward to? What's mm. really, what's really exciting for you? What's a high priority for you? You know, wife, you know, uh, husband, you know, like, let's go through that. Let's talk about the week ahead with, from an emotional standpoint, so that we're going beyond just the facts of our lives to really dealing with the feelings behind them. And then you're starting to model for your family um, an inner focus, which is really what the book is all about, is changed from the inside out. So it's it's really beginning to invite your family into this idea of saying, let's not just look at our activity. Let's look at what drives the activity and what fires us up about those activities and what we're nervous about this week. Hey, are you anything you're anxious about this week? Yeah, I got this test on. Wow. Why do you think you're nervous about it? Well, it's a, it's a big part of my grade. And Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's something I want to help you carve out space so that you get that time to study for it or whatever, because I'd love to help reduce that anxiety for you. So so now we're talking on a deeper level with our family than most people really do. Yeah. I, I love that, man. It's That's great advice. Hey, another thing that you hit on the book, and we talk a lot about um, in our podcast and in our mastermind group is just this idea of having meaningful relationships. You know, I think, I think men specifically need meaningful relationships. And in the book, you talked about this uh, Surgeon General's uh, report that came out said that we're in an epidemic of loneliness. Um, and, and and you cite, you know, biblical uh, story of David and Jonathan, and that this is a spiritual friendship that they have. And I think that's going away more and more uh, as we continue to, to you know, have all this technology and social media and all this, you know, stuff that kind of is our distractions to true meaningful relationships. How do we, as humans, create these meaningful relationships in our life and make it a priority? Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. We don't even have a category for David and Jonathan. You know, like we we look at their biblical relationship and and immediately we say, oh, they must be homosexual. You know, like immediately, like we we just don't have categories in our current culture for two men who actually care about each other and want to do life together in a, in a meaningful way. That's not romantic, you know, and we just don't have categories for that. So part of it, I think is shaking that, um, that thing that I think the, that Satan has really brought into our world, which is to convince us that anytime there's a meaningful relationship, well, there must be something off with that. There must be something wrong with that. So I think part of it is just shaking that mentality. Um, But then I think secondly is to, is to need it. Like, I don't think we, we get little, especially with social media, we get these little, I call them like the appetizers. We fill up on the appetizers and we never get to the main course. And so we get these little relational peaks where we're like, oh, I got a little feel where I felt seen or I felt known or whatever, but we never go beyond that. And we think that's normal. We, we don't even, we live in a world where we don't even know what a main course is. We don't even know what a healthy, meaningful relationship is. And so we settle for something far less than God intended for us. So I think part of it, and you'll, you'll just hear this and you've heard this in this whole interview is I just keep bringing us back to let's get our mindsets correct. Let's understand what's really truly going on from a heart level so that it will begin to change our behavior. So to answer your question of how do we actually move towards meaningful relationships, we have to start saying, number one, I know I need this. And what I've been doing is settling for something far less. I think that's number one, because that will drive us forward. And then secondly, is start to say, what would healthy look like? What would a healthy relationship look like? And then begin to move towards that. 
So um, I'll give you a really practical example. One of the things I did uh, when I was living up in Minnesota was um, I I started, <laughs> I hate to say it this way because none of the guys I, I hung out with would have known this, but I started interviewing like guys in my world. Like there was like seven, you know, eight guys in my world who like, I had some just kind of casual interactions, but I just said, hey, let's, you know, let's go out and, and have a beer. Let's go out and grab, you know, have a burger, whatever, have coffee, whatever. And we just have these conversations and I was kind of listening for things. I started kind of being vulnerable first and being transparent and just seeing what they did with that, seeing how they handled that, particularly as a pastor and as a leader, like, are they okay with that? And really found two guys who like were willing to go there. So I, I brought both of them out and we did, I said, Hey, let's go out for burgers and beers this night. I want to introduce you to this other guy. And the three of us just sat down and I said, look, I said, I don't know what your world is like, but I said, for me, I, don't, I have very few places where I can be authentically me. So I would love a place. Could we do like a once a month burgers and beers, um, the three of us, where we could just share life honestly and transparently. And as you can expect, both guys were like, I don't have anything like that. I need that in my world. I need somebody like that. And so we started doing it. And so every month we would go to a different brewery or a different place where we could, you know, find the greatest cheeseburger or whatever, you know, we would just kind of evaluate that, but they, it just, it just formed a level of, uh, or a platform for us to really be real and process through our marriages, our, you know, parenting, um, but then also leadership career and all those things. And they, they were instrumental, even in me thinking through making a move, you know, from Minnesota to Alabama, where I am today. Um, those those guys were really helpful in just processing it because they had walked with me um, through the year year or two before. So, yeah, I think that's a a beautiful experiment that turned into you know something something more. And, and I'm curious. Yeah, one of the things you said, and I think there's an acknowledgement and self awareness here that, that I think this the the nefarious side of social media is you t- you mentioned it. It gives you that little. And I think even that little taste of relationship is a fake, you know, it's a dopamine hit, it's a chemical reaction. It's something that is so fake that it's, it's completely unsatisfactory, but yet we have mistaken that for anything real, um, which it's not right. Like some person from high school you haven't talked to for three decades gets a like, and you have an emotion towards that. You need to really analyze that and be like, this person does not care at all about what we've not spoken in 30 years. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's actually quite nefarious, but, but I'm curious. So how do you convince men in particular that this is important, right? Like you, you, you said a very practical way that got after, um, you know, that, that I'm not sure what your, um, uh, you know, what your data set was and it, you know, narrowed down to two dudes, but how do you message like, no kidding, like in your neighborhood, like, Hey guys, uh, I'm, I'm that guy, like I'm an overshare, uh, I'm, I'm self-aware and I love you guys. Like, let's do this together. <laughs> Most guys are gonna be like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is intense. Right. Like I, right. I, 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 no, but in reality, as you highlight it, we all desire it. We all need it. So how do you break through that wall uh, to convince dudes that like, Hey man, this is good. And, and not only is it good, if you're honest with yourself, you want this in your life, you want me in your life, right? How, how do you convince men of that? I, I think the biggest thing is just asking that question. Is there anywhere in your life right now where you feel like you can be fully yourself? Like that question alone will, you know, pro- it will provoke something in them. 
you know, I mean, you know, and then, and then a lot of times I'll just use my own example. It's like, you know what, when I'm home, I feel this pressure to be like the perfect dad. I feel I want to be the great, I want to be a great husband. I want, you know, I just feel pressure. Like it's really, I feel really guilty when I just sit on the couch and watch football, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, do you ever feel that way? Oh yeah. Yeah. I felt that way. you like, I feel like it should be doing more. Like I should be doing the, the to-do list. Yeah. I felt like that, you know, and then at work, I feel like I've got all these expectations on me and people expect me to be this and that. And and I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. Like, I don't have any place where I can just be me. Like, even sometimes when I hang out with other guys, it's like, I feel like we're comparing our resumes and seeing who's, and I don't know if you felt that way, but I feel that way. Sometimes even hanging out with you, like, I feel like I want to impress you. Like, I want to, you know, kind of keep up with you. And because you're just amazing, you know, at that particular thing. Um, and so a lot of times I'll go with that one. Um, but another one where I will try to find something that somebody else is really good at and I'll pull it, pull it out of them. So like my neighbor, who is somebody that I've just been um, starting to build a relationship with. And uh, he just is amazing at like using the, the weed whipper, whatever you call it. I've noticed they call it different things at different parts of the country, but he can edge like nobody's business on the, uh, on the sidewalk and everything. So that was my opening with him. Like, I didn't really know him from like Adam, you know, I just walk up to him and I'm just like, man, you are crushing this. I'm like, would you be willing to teach me how to do that? I was like, because every time I do it, I'm I'm going through strings, I'm ripping it up on the ground, you know. All that. I'm like, I need I need some teaching on how to do that. And all that does is put me now, rather than trying to impress him, now he's the teacher. Now he's like, oh, you know. And then I think when you start building that bridge and you start saying, hey, you have something. I, I another guy, I'm like, man, I just love the way that you can go up to a complete stranger and you can start talking to them. I suck at that. I was like, could you, could we have coffee? And could you like, tell me some of the things that go through your mind that allow you to have those conversations with people. And again, you're making them the star. You're giving them the opportunity to be the teacher. You're the learner. And then after, if that goes well, you say, Hey, well, could we do this more? Like, I just thought this was really rich. I thought this was really helpful. And so you don't necessarily have to start with vulnerability and, you know, you can just say, Hey, you're really good at this. Could we meet and you could just share with me some pointers. Like, I just love the way you are with your kids. Like, I would love to get better with my kids. Can you, can we just talk through what that looks like for you? And then, and then from there to say, Hey, can we do this again? You know? And that's what I did with these guys was, it's just like, it wasn't like, Hey, we're going to do this once a month on day one. It was like, Hey, would you, was this cool? Can we do this again? <laughs> kind of like you're doing a date, right? <laughs> you know, like can we, you want to go on a second date, you know, uh, uh, don't mean to be weird, but yeah, that's kind of what like it's like. No, nah, well, man. That's what I started thinking about. <laughs> I started thinking about it's, it's dating. Right. But yeah. in the other side of that is um, because of, uh, I, I was talking to my kids about this the other day, actually it was my daughter and her friends were in the car and they were all on their phones. I'm like, put your phones down. We're in the car. I want to talk to you guys. And I told them, I said, if you guys refine the skills of learning to talk to somebody, you're going to crush the world. Mm -hmm. You're going to crush the world because social ineptitude is now it's, it's, it's the norm because mm -hmm. people they, they don't know how to, and I, and I, there are two girls in the car. Um, and I was like, any boy who asks you out or breaks up with you via email or text is not worth your time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know that sounds strong. I know all you guys, like, this is normal for you. I was like, they're not worth your time. I'm telling you that as a man. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not to be rude. It's not to be whatever, but it's just, it's just, a, a it's, it's an idea of communication 
that is being lost and everything over text is, is become, I think it has made us socially, I mean, it's just made us socially inept. And so when you talk about dating, it, this whole idea of dating is also like such a funny thing to observe because people don't know that I read an article that they said, man, dating is so exhausting. Cause it's just all these swipes. You're just always swiping. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like your date life is swiping. Like that's your date life. Not talking to somebody and creating a relationship and then like, you know, maybe dating, maybe courting, maybe something. So it, it's, it's a unique challenge, but I love how you said that. Cause it is, I think why so many dudes are uncomfortable with it. And especially younger men, I say younger men, millennials and, and, and even some older folks uh, that have gotten sucked into it, but it's because we forgot how to talk to each other. Yeah. We just don't know how to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just started doing couples coaching and that is really the basic thing that I've noticed with um, even premarital co- uh, counseling that I've done for some couples, it's like they come in and I'm teaching them how to have a conversation. I'm teaching them how to do conflict. Like I'm just based to me, very basic stuff that they aren't learning as kids. They're not learning as teenagers. And so it's really reteaching or teaching for the first time. Here's how you actually listen actively. Here's how you, here's how you ask for something assertively, but kindly, you know, like it's just basics. It's communication. David, weren't you talking to uh, Maya about like about breaking up over email or something like that? And how, how like, that's like the new thing or like a text message breakup now. Yeah. Well, one of her, a, a boyfriend broke yeah. up via email and I just, yeah. I just took the opportunity to not like crush the kid, but, but I think we effectively as men, the way we things we model um and it's not even just with our kids right it's it's how we you know conflict resolve like if my neighbor and i are having some issues i'm not going to text them i'm not going to be passive aggressive i'm going to go over there and and have a conversation and and our kids see that and they they see how we respond to all these things and then our neighbor potentially also learns a lesson like hey like this is, you know, dude didn't text me. Right. And, and so it's just, it's just an interesting thing. And like you said, Jason, it seems so for, for a lot of us, it seems so basic, but it is not the norm anymore. And, and I think, you know, in part of that, the, the me I want to be and, and the, this, this uh, creating relationships and, and finding, you know, even, even that has impacts when you're doing things like reflecting, like, how do you communicate with yourself? How do you communicate with your God? Like, how do you, like how do you develop all of these skills right and and i think that that's it's just a it's something we just need to be much more aware of because it's we're not aware of it and that's a step one right just acknowledge be aware of it and, and like you said you know one of the biggest things that you that that i love that you said i think if we told ourselves the truth about the way we're conducting ourselves it's powerful so if you say the words i am a victim i live my life as a victim you're like oh that sounds really gross like, what do I do about that? Well, everything I'm doing points to the direction that I'm a victim, right? I have zero ownership. How do I change that? What do I do about that? So I, I love it. I love it. Cool. Stop hey, being Jason. a victim, Stu. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Jason, your books are awesome, man. I, I really enjoy reading them. Uh, I know you do a whole lot more than just write books. I know, you, you know, you like you said, executive coaching, marriage coaching. Uh, where do our listeners find out more about you and, and get uh, all the information? 
Probably the easiest way is to go to jasonstonehouse.com, jasonstonehouse.com. And it has actually links for um, all three of my books at this point, um, links to the coaching and uh, also stuff like this, like podcasts that I've been on and things like that. So um, you can see all that at jasonstonehouse.com. Awesome, man. Well, I know we could probably talk for another hour. I appreciate the conversation. We'll put uh, your your website in the show notes of, of the uh, the podcast. Uh, again, man, thanks for writing the books. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for uh, your message. It's a really, really good message that more people need to hear. Uh, and uh, guys and gals, reach out to Jason. Go read his books. Go check out his website. If you need some coaching, uh, check him out. Uh, and uh, let's go all take Uncommon Action together. David? Love it, Jason. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Love, uh, love the impact that your books are making. Love the the just uh, your passion to serve others, as you said. That the, how you get a wide reach, the written word, your coaching, everything that you're doing has generational impact. So, love it, brother. Thank you so much yeah, for your thank time. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. So, absolutely. See you. See you. Hey, before we let you go and tackle the day, uh, we wanted to tell you about uh, a new product coming out called the Manifesto. It's a newsletter. It's free, it comes out twice a month, and uh, we give actionable steps, insights, and inspiration uh, to help you on your journey to becoming a better man. Um, we aim to be the highest value per minute email in your inbox every time, so uh, go check it out. Uh, you can go to thekineticman.com backslash newsletter. Again, that's thekineticman.com backslash newsletter, and sign up for the manifesto. It is going to be awesome. See you. Thank you for listening to the Connect Man podcast. If you are growth minded, community focused, and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.thekineticman.com to see all the ways we can connect. And on our website, you can find more information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. From our site, you can also find more information on and sign up for the next Kinetic Man retreat and the next house of our mastermind group. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your favorite podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go take uncommon action.